This is Total Retail Tech Insights. The content retail executives need to optimize their use of technology throughout their organizations. Hello, and welcome to this episode of Total Retail Tech Insights. I'm Joe Keenan, the Editor-in-Chief of Total Retail, and I'm pleased to be joined on this episode by Chika Jane, who is the Partner and Head of North American Retail and Consumer at Simon Kucher. Uh, Shika and I will be talking about the Simon Kucher business and the work that it's doing in the retail space. So thanks for taking the time today, Shika. Thank you for having me. So as uh, we get started here, I'd love for you just kind of to uh, tell our audience a little bit about the work that Simon Kucher does for retailers uh, and the, as well as kind of the types of impact that you're able to generate through that work. Yeah. So when it comes to what we do at Simon Kucher, it's all about growth and better growth. This translates to revenue and profit growth if you're talking about a business. And when we think about B2C companies, whether they be retailers or consumer goods, consumer services, we want to identify opportunities from the lens of the consumer. And so the way we think about it is a consumer journey. You know, Obviously, there's overall strategy about where there's growth opportunity, revenue pools, white spaces, what are the segments that you want to go after, how do you want to grow uh, at, a, at a very high level. But then when you start to bring the consumer into it, you know, there's awareness and consideration, there's trial, there's purchase, there's loyalty and advocacy. In each one of those buckets, we try to think of what are the opportunities for a retail business? So when it comes to awareness, how do we generate demand? How do we design our value prop? When it comes to consideration, where are your products sold? Which channels are you available in? What about the relationship between brick and mortar versus e-commerce? When it comes to conversion, what are the different sort of the customer experience and the sales dialogue to think, uh, think about? What assortment should you offer? How should you price your products? How should you pers uh, personalize promotions or think about promotions in general? Loyalty. Are there other rev levers around loyalty and retention? So win back, recurring revenue, subscription, membership, loyalty mechanisms around gamification, and even things like advocacy. How do you become, how do you take consumers and make them champions of your brand? So there's so much that we think about from a consumer perspective uh, and each critical touch point in the journey. But then also in terms of impact, you know, this is very company dependent. At Simon Kutcher, we work with businesses of all sizes, all stages of maturity. So companies that are in their early stages by introducing commercial strategies around pricing, around sales and marketing, they can supercharge their organic product-led growth. And for multi-billion dollar, well-established companies, this is where you know we help them identify where's that next 1 billion of revenue, right? And the, the thread that you can see and how we approach things is very KPI driven. And we're always trying to answer or solve for you know, not just the journey, but also the metrics that we're trying to optimize. So that provides really a great overview uh, of the business itself and kind of the work that you're doing specifically in my question around uh, our audience in the retail space. 
Uh, I just for some context, I'd love for you to to just tell us a little bit about yourself before we get even further into kind of the the retail and the consumer angle. Tell us a little bit about your professional background and your and your role at at Simon Kutcher. Yeah, absolutely. So I've been with Simon Kutcher for eleven plus years now, and as you know, Simon Kutcher, we focus on pricing, sales, and marketing growth topics. And my expertise has always been in the retail and consumer space. So for 11 plus years, this is all I've been doing day in and day out. How can retail companies, whether they're small direct to consumer, whether they're multi-billion, whether they're brick and mortar, whether they're e-commerce, whether they're digital, you know, how can they grow? Uh, so I've had a lot of great experiences, not just with companies that are national in the US and in North America with uh, with Canada and Mexico, but also global companies where helping them expand their footprint in countries, think about how they're going to go to market differently in China versus Brazil versus the EU region versus London versus, you know, anywhere else that their their goals are. My journey, you know, I started at Simon Kutcher after getting my MBA. So I did that from the University of Chicago. Prior to that, I was in the world of investment banking realized I really was very passionate about retail and consumer insights. So found my way into consulting in Simon Kutcher. And then I did my undergraduate from Smith College way back when. I'm not going to tell you what year because I'm <laughs> going to calculate how old I am. Well, thank you for that, because I think it's a, it helps the audience kind of know, know a little bit about the person on the other end of the microphone here. Um uh, so I know one of the things that you're really excited about at Simon Kutcher is the uh, launch of your annual holiday shopping study. This was done with consumers in the U.S. and really focused in on some of the, uh, their behaviors and how they're planning to shop for the holiday season, particularly around big promotional days such as Black Friday and Cyber Monday. Uh, so we'll kind of tackle this question in two parts, uh, Shika. First, tell us a little bit about the methodology of the study, who you're talking to, what you're trying to learn. And then uh, the second part, maybe you could dig into some of the uh, key findings to emerge from this year's data. Yeah. So at Simon Kutcher, because we center so much of our recommendations for retailers around consumer insights, it's really important that we keep a pulse on how consumers and shoppers are approaching Q4, right, which is the big holiday shopping season and can really make or break uh, annual revenues uh, for retailers. And so because of this need of bringing consumer insights together with retail strategies, we launched the holiday shopping study five years ago so we can understand how their how consumer shopper behavior is shaped by promotions, it's shaped by discounts and expectations, but also always in the backdrop of whatever current macroeconomic conditions we might be facing. And as we all know, those have really been changing over the past five years. So the goal is to use some of these insights to help retailers prepare and adjust their strategies and tactics for their potentially their busiest season, depending on the, the business that they're in, the products that they sell. And so this is our fifth year publishing the study. We survey roughly a thousand consumers in the US that are representative across gender and income, age and geography, but also very important for us generation, because we know that while things like those other demos don't necessarily drive too many differences in behavior, generation does. So whether you're 
Gen Z or a millennial, that's going to be very different from how you shop versus Gen X or, you know, someone who is a, a baby boomer. Yeah. So that, that provides an overview of the study itself. I, I want to dig into the fact that you mentioned this is the fifth year that you've conducted this study. Um, so obviously there's been so much change over the last five things. So tons of things have happened. I mean, obviously we have a global, global pandemic that impacted consumer behavior. There's been supply chain disruption. There's been economic headwinds such as rising inflation. So tell us a little bit from your perspective, Shika, what are the trends that you're closely following year over year? What you've seen kind of emerge in this, uh, you know, study that you've produced for the last five years? Yeah, Joe, I think it's so interesting you say that because we started this study in 2019. You know, 2019 looked very similar to 18 and 17 and 16. But then these last sort of four years have just been a roller coaster for consumers and for society as a whole. So exactly right. In 2020, we were talking about covid and retailers were scrambling to think about how they were going to put e-commerce as part of their, you know, uh, and logistics to support e-commerce sales and fulfillment. We were worried about how the pandemic was going to negatively impact holiday shopping because this is the first time consumers weren't going to be able to, you know, be in person for doorbusters and or they were they were nervous about it. In 2021, then we had all the supply chain shocks. Uh, and then all of a sudden, even though there was this pent up demand from the pandemic and also a lot of the stimulus that consumers had received. So but but because of our global supply chain and how it works, then product wasn't available. So there was a mismatch between demand and supply. And so retailers weren't able to keep up, you know, and then uh, they overordered. Right. So they said, look, we don't want to be in this problem again. So in 2022, we had all this product. We were also hit by all this high inflation. It was, you know, impacting purchasing power uh, negatively. But then also because of the shocks from 21, retailers had stocked up and now they were enabled to clear out inventory. So we created this whiplash effect. In 2023, things have calmed down just a little bit because I think all of the, you know, the downstream domino effects from COVID have sort of helped us stabilize, right? And there's been um, interest rate corrections and so on. But so we're still seeing some inflation. Consumers do want to watch their budgets and wallets. Inflation fatigue is taking on a completely different meaning. Retailers are starting to understand that they need to get better at demand forecasting and balancing between supply and demand. They're trying to put in you know, minimizing the risk of supply chain shocks. So there's a lot of uh, still, I think 2023 is really the year where we're beginning to see some sort of settling into our quote unquote new normal that we had talked about four years ago. So let's bring it back to present day and what we're seeing from consumers today and what we've expected to foresee from them in the next uh, couple months during the holiday shopping season. Tell us a little bit about some of the trends you're seeing as shoppers prepare themselves for the holiday season. And, it, it, you know, as you think about that, Chica, you know, maybe you could talk a little bit about how some of these external factors that you just addressed um, are impacting or, or do you think may impact kind of consumers' relationships with retailers and brands as we think about holiday shopping season? Yeah, I think, Joe, that's really interesting. One thing that came out of our study this year, we had this hypothesis where, you know, Amazon ran Prime Day in July. 
And there were moments where people were posting all over social media, you know, look at this like sort of false pricing. So this phenomena similar to false advertising where the price before Prime Day and after Prime Day post discount was the same. So essentially, you know, re, you know, the price was jacked up, then discounted back. And so we are calling this phenomenon false pricing. And so this consumer skepticism around the authenticity of promotions, the authenticity, authenticity of discounts uh, is something that we're seeing an increase you know, in. And I think this is because this is my hypothesis being in the industry for so long is that this is what happens out of inflation fatigue. There's just so much general skepticism. There's just so much general distrust and people just watching their dollar, trying to stretch it further that they want to get the best deal. So they're paying more attention and, you know, price transparency has been around for decades. Mm -hmm. So I think it's interesting that retailers, especially honoring retailers, tried to use this tactic because I think they were going to be exposed. And so, you know, I think going forward, this is going to be a big trend is we also know that younger generations from other research that we do, they like to shop from brands that mirror their, their values. So if they care about authenticity, they they may care about mission driven or they care about you know transparency they're going to buy from brands that mirror those values or also display those values so i think this can have a negative impact you know you can't fool the consumer so i trying to be honest is going to be important here yeah and actually it's perfect i wanted to follow up on that chicken in terms of trying as a retailer or a brand trying to think about ways to combat that skepticism amongst consumers when it comes to pricing, when it comes to marketing. Um, are there things that they should be thinking about? What would your advice be to, you know, we talk about that transparency in pricing, and that's not a new concept that's been around for a long time now. Um, what what advice would, might you share to kind of help brands and retailers combat that skepticism that's so rampant among consumers? Yeah, I think, you know, consumers are savvy. They'll do their research, like mm -hmm. you just said. And if you lose, if they're, if they feel I've been deceived or there's false pricing, false advertising, you're risking not just that specific purchase or that specific sale, but also their loyalty and their spend of future dollars, right? And I think this is where a lot of retailers are trying to uh, just push cost increases to consumers. They know they have to discount they know that those are going to be the big days where they see spikes in units sold and revenue sold, right? Their KPIs. And so I understand the difficult situation they are in because they also have to meet their margin requirements. But here's the, the difference. While costs have been increasing, retailers are just passing these costs on to the consumer. They're in a blind way. They're not thinking about the value products provide. They're not thinking about holistically, you know, their pricing strategy, their product strategy, their sales and marketing strategies. And they're just sort of reacting to meeting immediate uh, targets or immediate financial goals that they might have. And so this is where 
foundational improvements and how you can marry front of the house, you know, with back of the house. So how do you make sure on the back end, demand forecasting, inventory management, promotional effectiveness, promotional ROI, omni-channel harmonization, optimal marketing mix with front of the house or consumer facing things around pricing and promotions that actually drive impact where you can have pricing and promotional power, you know, assortment mix, um, sales through different channel partization, marketing through campaigns and spend, right? So I think it's just a mismatch and a gap between connecting both of these sort of front and back facing parts of the business. So as we record this, Shika, we're on the, you know, on the horizon is another second time day coming from Amazon. And then the competing events that have kind of spawned off of that, you know, Walmart has its own target, Best Buy and so on. These yeah. big kind of sale days have kind of emerged and, and they're happening earlier in the holiday season. You know, as we record this first week of October and we're already talking holiday campaigns, um, how does that kind of factor in? And, and, and to your point around the true value of products and consumers being skeptical, tell us more what you mean by that. Yeah, so, you know, there's this shift or negative shift in perception that promotions are authentic. And so in the summer, there were those viral moments, you know, we just talked about where consumers were screenshotting products during Prime Day. So Amazon Prime Day, where the everyday price was inflated and then discounted back to the price before. Yeah. Yep. And so Amazon faced a lot of scrutiny for that. There's a class action lawsuit that they're having to deal with. And those scars are carrying over. So consumers are on high alert. And here's what's going to happen for the upcoming holiday season. So in our study, Amazon slipped in rank. So typically it used to be the second best uh, big promotion day, right? Big promotion days are like Black Friday, Cyber Monday, Labor Day, Memorial Day, 4th of July, President's Day, so on. It slipped from being the second most important day to the third most important day. So Cyber Monday has again mm -hmm. overtaken Amazon. And it slipped in rank by over 10 percentage points where consumers believe that they will find the best deal. And this doesn't mean that they're gonna shop on Amazon less. I mean, Amazon really is a superpower. And despite false pricing, you know, July's Prime Day delivered blockbuster numbers. So it's more about what other retailers can learn from this. And so this is where I think, you know, if we know Black Friday and Cyber Monday are gonna be huge, and this is something that all retailers participate in, then they should make sure that they have very good transparent strategies. They can even call it out that these are real um, promotions as they're planning for the, the busy season later this month and into November. So one specific follow-up directly tied to Amazon. Do you, and, and maybe you did capture some of this information in the um, survey, maybe you didn't, I'd just love to get your perspective, even if you didn't, do you feel that consumers are not just skeptical about individual product pricing on Prime Day, but it's just as a general ploy to get more and more consumers to sign up for Prime to begin with? You know, it's a kind of revenue generating tool just to get them into that Prime loyalty program. Um, and then kind of the individual pricing of products is, is, is another area of concern, but just kind of thinking about that as, as a way to ge generate more subscribers to Prime. Yeah. And I think that is a great point because... 
that has always been the underlying objective of Prime Day is how can we get more consumers to sign up for Prime, right? The membership and the recurring revenue. Mm -hmm. um, that said, I think uh, it's okay to do it once, right? So Amazon, they did this, they got called out for it once. If they do it repeatedly, if we see that happening in the upcoming Prime Day, which I think is October um, soon, right? I, I don't know if you have it on the top of your head, but- I believe it's the 12th. I got to double yeah, check. Something like that. That is when consumers will be watching, right? So fool me once, right? Shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. So I think we just have to keep an eye out uh, or they have to be careful to make sure that they don't they don't mess this up. And you know this isn't a phenomenon unique to, Dyna uh, to Amazon is that the more loyalty members that they have, the more, you know, those those customers, particularly in a premium loyalty program such as Prime, they're paying into that. There's kind of that that customer lifetime value. They feel like they're, they're kind of vetted into that program and that they're then going to shop with Amazon. So to your point, it's 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 long been thought of as a ploy to get more people in the Prime because that's that recurring revenue and not just the, that the Prime revenue, but it's also that lifetime value that you're seeing from Prime members itself. Yeah, exactly. I think that is the key. So hopefully, um, let's see what happens. It's hard to say, right? Because even though July was still blockbuster, you know, July still had all the right, hitting all the right KPIs. I don't have the prime subscriber numbers in front of me. I remember from last year being a huge growth driver and even all retailers, right? They jumped on the bandwagon. We saw yeah. that where even other retailers like, okay, Amazon created this holiday for us. Let's also use it as a way to to do promotional events, especially in a high inflationary period. So we definitely saw a lot of that last year. I think it's going to really be um, critical for the upcoming, you know, October 10th and 11th prime date to see uh, next week if we, if, you know, there is authenticity, if they took the feedback and, and will that be another blockbuster, you know, um, day for them. And like you said, if they can get a lot of those subscribers to sign up, then maybe people will shift all their holiday shopping spend yeah. onto the onto Amazon and the Amazon platform rather than in uh, in store or other retailers around you know Black Friday, which comes later. So they're definitely yep. going to be catering to the planners and to the people who already know what they want to buy and are just looking for the best deals. Yep. And to your point of kind of these other retailers kind of latching on to the idea of this early season kind of kickoff big promo sale, it's that extra eyeballs that are out there, that extra traffic that's shopping online on those days. So let's try to let's try to capture some of that, take some of that market share away from Amazon. So that's kind of been the rise in these other retailer sales. I want to go back to something you talked about a little bit earlier, Shika, in terms of uh the importance of inventory management in this whole process and thinking about the, as the holiday shopping period approaches, how inventory management fits into this whole pricing and marketing equation um, for retailers. Yeah, I think it, that is also um, tied into the skepticism piece. It's not really stopping at prices. Consumers also have this perception that inventory availability has been unreliable, has been inconsistent, especially in stores, right? We know that it, online, this is not really an issue just because there's always uh, ways to back, make the back end shuffle around from a logistics mm -hmm. standpoint, do the fulfillment. 
you know, borrow from different stores and you sh the, the role of the store has changed. But when a consumer is at the point of sale, right? And they're like, look, I'm going to make this purchase now when there isn't inventory on the shelf or there, you know, that has caused a lot of frustration. Uh, and so 60% of consumers in our study said that there was, they were frustrated because they, you know, anytime they try to go, there was limited quantity um, when they went to, to store and we didn't see this at all for, for online. And what makes this even harder for retailers for this upcoming holiday season is that two thirds of consumers have said that they will be doing their shopping within two weeks leading up to Black Friday. So not only do retailers have to already have early indications of which products are going to be the hot products of the year, right? And are they going to carry it in uh, in store? How are they going to stock the shelves? So they're making a lot of big bets um, without having all of the information. The other interesting thing is most folks are going to be shopping for apparel and footwear, a lot of other categories that they'll shop for, but they're also going to be shopping for apparel and footwear. And here's the tricky thing about apparel and footwear, sizes. So now, not only do you need to make sure, you know, you are carrying enough stock, it's different if you're just buying a toy or it's different, you know, if you're buying something that doesn't matter uh, what you buy, you just want to touch and feel. But when it's apparel and footwear, carrying the right sizes is so key or having a backup strategy where if people don't if the size isn't available on store something where it'll ship to your home you know you try it in a different color try it in a different style at least then i can get it shipped home so there's a lot of that that consumers or retailers just need to be aware of um for for consumer behavior up this upcoming season and I think that that cross-channel behavior that you talk about, you know, that they're they're maybe looking online first, but if it's easier, it's it's you know easier for them to pick up in store. It's cheaper for them to pick up in store, or vice versa. Maybe they're they don't find it in store, but they don't want to get it online. Um, so having that inventory data connected across your channels is so critical for the retailer, because as we've seen, and, and this isn't just a millennial or a younger consumer, we're seeing now older consumers kind of taking similar approaches. Talk about that kind of cross-channel behavior and what you're hearing from consumers. Yeah, I think it's um, actually, this is where there's really not a lot of uh, difference between generations Yeah, they're going to buy. Right. I think what's more interesting is that um, Gen Z tends to be a little because they're doing so much research, they are more skeptical along with millennials. Right. So but it's true across the board that there is this skepticism in general, whether it be on false pricing, whether it be on am I going to be able to find the things online? And yes, we know that there is a mild correlation between age and desire for fixed shopping habits, whether it was online or, or, you know, physical based on how, what, what you like to do. But I don't think that's necessarily true for certain categories, right? Some categories we know people just prefer to buy online and some categories we know people prefer to buy in store. So large goods, appliances, furniture, people want to go see what it's like. They want to try it out, you know, you got to do the butt test before you buy a couch. So those types of things versus things that, you know, it doesn't really matter 
it's you know maybe for other people that's fine you can just buy online like yeah. toys and electronics small appliances so you've shared so many of these great insights that you've collected simon kutcher has collected in its annual holiday shopping study um and and we've talked through some of them i'd love uh to get your perspective uh shika in terms of Maybe some advice you could share with our audience of retail uh, executives and, and and practitioners around what they can be thinking about as they prepare for the holiday shopping season. So there's a lot of things that, you know, retailers should be thinking about from a pricing sales and marketing standpoint. When it comes to pricing, the reason we fall into this trap or the skepticism around false or, or false advertising and false pricing is because Pricing is cost plus. So bringing in value-based pricing, understanding what product roles are, what are the key price points, what are the ranges that you should play at, price ranges that tie to your price positioning. You know, how do you think about your architecture and white spaces in your assortment or different pricing models? Same thing with promotions. Uh, it's because people or there's promotions that retailers are legacy based. No one's actually looking at them and saying, here's a better way to do a promotion. If I want to drive traffic, this is a traffic driving promotion. If I want to try to cross sell and upsell in the store, this is something that can help me do that. Right. It's just a very one size fits all approach. So thinking about promotional effectiveness and tying it back to objectives uh, and differentiating it by consumer segments, by product assortment, and so on. And then inventory, right? This is a big one. Thinking about not just your in-season discounts, but your markdown and clearance strategy. There's a reason why Dollar Tree and Marshalls and TJ Maxx are doing really well is because people are trading right down right now. So thinking about product life cycle, demand forecasting, skew rationalization and assortment strategy, you know, all of that can help also with building some of the foundational commercial strategy uh, requirements to be a best-in-class retailer. So before we wrap up our conversation, Shika, I wanted to kind of, for our audience members that, that want to learn a little bit more uh, about Simon Kutcher, we've talked a lot about this holiday shopping study. What would you uh, want to share with the audience before we wrap up here? Yeah, I think we would, we welcome all kinds of conversations with retail practitioners in pricing, in sales and marketing, anything related to growth, you know, definitely reach out to us, learn more by visiting our website, which is just www.simonkutcher.com. Uh, and then you, we have, we cater to a lot of industries. And if you search for consumer, you'll see all of our expertise within the retail and consumer space as well. Great. Well, I want to take the opportunity to thank Shika Jane, again, who is the partner and head of North American retail and consumer at Simon Kutcher. So thanks for your time today, Shika. Thank you, Joe. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening. For more information on this podcast, please check out our podcast channel page at mytotalretail.com slash podcasts for show notes. Total Retail Tech Insights is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify. Make sure to subscribe on our podcast channel page as well. If you've enjoyed this episode, please take a few moments to rate and review this podcast. Thanks, and until next time, this has been Total Retail Tech Insights.